Uh, it's nice to have Colin back. Uh, the book he mentioned was Whose Child Is This? Uh, let me say something about ministry. Um, I always believe ministry is an important factor. This man's uh, uh, got a particular ministry uh, in, um, amongst children. God raised him up in a, a way he was abandoned as a child, if you've read the book. Um, He's a dear man, he's got a real call of God. Dave Wilkinson was a dear man who had a real call of God. He went amongst the drug addicts and the gang leaders in New York. Great. Uh, the imitations were terrible. Uh, you can't be what another man's called to be. It's great to read, great to be inspired, but don't try to be this. Because if you do, you'll discover that was his calling, not yours. Hello? Uh, if you want to be David Livingston, I want to tell you he's been dead a long time. And um, his walking stick, which he needed, is, is now in Onga, in the church down there where he went from. He was congregational. Uh, it's only a few miles away where he started. Uh, worth going and looking, you know, his walking stick, if that's what turns you on. But uh, he was called for a special work. And... God used him. And of course, you know, we, we only fate our heroes after they're dead. Jesus pointed out the Jews only called prophets prophets after they were dead. They stoned them, saw them asunder, and then after they were dead, worshipped them. Uh, and that's part of the church's legacy. We're, we're good at that, you see. We appreciate people after they're dead because they can't do us any harm. But up to that point, they can challenge us, they can speak to us, uh, and really, that's the way the church has always been. But what they forget is all of us have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God. If everyone was perfect, then why would God leave us here? Take us all home, wouldn't he? If you think I'm perfect, you're right. Um, however, uh, my wife knows better than that. Uh, and I, I always worry that people will catch the wrong thing. Um, we were with T.L. Osborne in um, uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, and he's got a real call of God. I suppose he's unique in this century uh, in the way he's gone out and preached. Uh, I would never be a T.L. Osborne. Um, I couldn't be, I'm past it, you know. Uh, he went out when he was 18 with Daisy. Done a tremendous work in many nations. But then he was called to it. Moses was called to lead the children of Israel out. Abandoned as a baby. Had an upbringing in Pharaoh's household. God ordained everything in his life. But then he, ha he was called with a specific mission. Do you remember? When the fire came uh, at the burning bush and he looked and he, he was called aside. He'd spent 40 years in the wilderness looking after sheep. And there he was and God called him. And he was used of God. But how many Moseses were there? 
How many? Okay. And Joshua, who followed him, how many? Now why didn't God get 50 or 60 or 100? Why? Because God just raises up a man. Why does God do that? Because God's God. Take Oral Roberts. He went in America and uh, was used of God, raised up a tremendous uh, calling and raised up a university, bought miracle healing to the nations, went on television, went on um, uh, whatever you call it, um, film, uh, did a great work for God. Tremendously used of God. But how many Oral Robertses were there? How many Oral Roberts universities in there? One. And all through history, you know, God raises up men, individuals. The trouble is when, when it, it becomes a way of trying to mimic or follow, you can only be what God gives you to be. But too often people try and be something that they're not. You hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus Christ is building his church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Now one thing you have to realize is you better be in the church. You better know where you belong, where your part is, because the only thing that's going to actually overcome the gates of hell, the church. Jesus is going to show his wisdom through the church. And if you're not part of a living church, hey, forget it. God does not go in for loners. In fact, if you look in uh, 1 Corinthians, um, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, talks about gifts. We're going to make an impact in the earth. But you'll make an impact in the earth according to God's principles, not according to your ambition. Hello? And if you go outside of God's principles, you end up in trouble. Here, here is what God says. Um, talking of the body. But um, verse 18. Oh no, let's go. Let's go earlier than that. Verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, "Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body," is it therefore not of the body? Or if the ear should say, "Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body," is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? That means um, not that you smell, but that you can smell, if you know what I mean. But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Now where does he set members? All different, all with a different function, but where are they set? 
outside of the body's death. All right? You have to be where God sets you. Is that clear? Now understand, that is where you will fulfill God's purpose. Where you won't fulfill it is outside. Goes on to explain it. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now there are many members, yet but one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we bestow more abundant honour, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honour to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one of, for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Alright, what are you? Members in particular. But you're all part of one body. And Jesus Christ intended for all of us, we find our place in the body of Christ. We know where we belong, we know who we are. Uh, what I worry about in um, somewhere like America um, is you have what's called the rotation of the saints. Uh, any gimmick that comes to town, the saints go there to have a look. Um, it's not a church they build, it's a preaching centre with the greatest gimmicks getting the greatest crowd. That is not church. That is a travesty of what God intended. God intends us all to be in the body of Christ. Members, and we need to know where we belong. You need to know which body you belong to. Now there is a sense in which some people, they look and they say, well, because I'm not this. But that isn't the case. Uh, every single one of us has a function to fulfill. The problem is, lots of people want to be what they're not. And that's the hardest thing. Instead of being content to be what they are, they try to be what they're not. And if you try to be what you're not, you get knotted. And you get all uptight, and you think, oh dear. Uh, and uh, you, there's a lot of people who get a preacher's itch. Uh, preaching is um, really, in, it, well, l let me put it this way. If the whole body were the mouth, where's the hearing, the smelling, the hands, the feet? Where, where is it? But everyone wants to be a preacher. Why? Well, because they have this notion that somehow uh, the preacher's job is easy. It's a nice life. 
Um, take my job for a day and find out. Uh, it isn't that way at all. But you can look and you can think, well, you can't be a hand, can't be a foot. How many of you, if you sit down at the lunch table and you use your feet for your knife and fork, are going to have a very nice lunch this afternoon? I mean, most of the food will end up on the floor, won't it? And your hands hanging limp at your side, and you're just kind of using your feet to feed yourself. Well, you're going to go hungry. Why? Well, it wasn't designed. Your feet weren't designed for that, were they? Although with some of you, I wonder. Now, your eyes don't hear. Your ears don't smell. Your five senses, if you've got five senses, some people, I look at them and I think they've got no sense at all. But if you have the five senses, uh, and you can feel, you can see, you can smell, you can hear, you can speak. You can communicate. But, basically, when the body of Christ comes together, each of us needs to realize, I have a part to play. God's called me to a specific thing. And my question to you this morning is, what's God called you to be? Not what have you called yourself to be and would like to be because your ambition's overridden everything. But what has God called you to be? That's what's important. Find out God's call on your life. Ambition is very crafty and subtle. The number of people I find who find a call to God's ministry when they're made redundant. You can have good reasons, spiritual reasons for it, but the fact is, uh, rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, it's better to be a spoke in the wheel, isn't it? Well, isn't it? God comes to heal us, deliver us, change us, doesn't he? comes to make us what he intends us to be in life. That's what he really wants. Now everyone wants people to have God's call. I don't. Because I know this. Anyone that's really called of God is fleeing. If you're not running from ministry, one thing's for sure, you're not called of God. You're called of your ambition. Moses, when God came to him, the first thing he gave was ten reasons why I shouldn't go. Dear Lord, sending me? What did Isaiah do and Jeremiah do? They jump at the opportunity. Here am I! Well, no, just a minute. Um, God, you know, if you're going to send me there, uh, there's a problem. I'm a man of unclean lips, you know. I Moses, um, uh, Lord, you don't understand. You want to send me to Pharaoh, I'm going to be a dead meat if I go there, besides which I can't speak, besides which I can't do this, besides which... Anyway, who's going to hear me? And if I do go, who's, who, who, who am I going to say sent me? That's a question. See, and that, they're all trying to get away. There was Gideon, hiding away, terrified of the enemy. The angel comes along, there he is, hidden away. 
He was thrashing corn in the wine press. Why? Because he was hiding. There's Elisha who's ploughing with a yoke of oxen. He's getting on with his job. Now Elijah's passing by. There was a whole school of prophets trained up. Really, they could prophesy till the cows came home. They'd learned the technique of prophecy, of worship, of, you know, saying banana backwards, whatever you like. They'd learned it all. But when God wanted to call a man, he looked for a man who was busy in what he was doing and successful. I always like it because he was ploughing with his father's yoke of oxen and when he wanted to make a sacrifice he killed the oxen sacrificed them to the Lord they weren't his, they were his father's but that, that's another story when you look into it, it's quite interesting uh, David was out tending the sheep lowest job of the low hey God wanted to call him he got trained how? Saul persecuted him and he hid in caves and he was off, you know, outside. But God was getting hold of David. Now David never aspired to the throne, even though he was anointed. He could have killed Saul, he didn't. He said, I won't. He recognized principles. I find too many people that are called don't know principles. They try and grab hold of things that God never gave them. Not popular teaching. What they like, they say, oh, you know, praise God, you're baptizing the Holy Ghost. Oh, you know, you, God can really use you. Yeah, but you, I've seen so many young people make shipwreck. Don't be what you're not. But of course, that's not popular because ambition takes hold. People look and they say, oh, you know, it'd be nice if I could do this, nice if I'd do that. But there's a price to pay. a real price and who would pay it think of Moses as he grew up he knew he didn't belong in Pharaoh's palace hey one day he saw an Egyptian beating one of the Israelites and he rose up and slew him and fled but you think the whole time he grew up he knew he didn't belong and well no easy life 80 years God prepared the man not the most pleasant way of being prepared and then God came burning bush Moses you imagine if you were he you got to the bush to have a look and the voice speaks out uh, 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 you know take off your shoes you're, you're on holy ground and, hey who's this God <laughs> and then he says you imagine if you threw down a stick you had in your hand and it becomes a serpent would you grab it by the tail no. Imagine him. You imagine if you put your hand in your chest. 
came out and left, what would you feel? I mean, that's after 80 years of not such a pleasant life. See, God prepares people. He knows what he's calling them to do. And all of us are called to be members of the body. And then he goes on. He goes on, thank God. And God hath set some in the church. Now if you're set in the church, that is where he puts people. First apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. But covered earnestly the best gifts. Now, as I've said so many times, that coveting the best gifts is men. Not to do with you speaking in tongues or healing. It's to do with men. God set men in the church. That's why one of the things I covered is the best ministry anywhere in the world. The one thing I want to bring to the church is the best ministry. Covered earnestly the best gifts God had set in the church. It's not talking about um, gifts of the Spirit there. It's talking about looking for men who are really gifted of God. One of the things I've always done is when I found people who are really gifted of God, hey, the first place I want them is in my pulpit. Why? Because I want them to share and I covet their gift. I really do. I love that. I don't feel insecure about it at all. I invite the best men. That's why Benson Ederhoser was so often with us. i tell you why. Didn't visit any other church in England, but we had him here because I recognized the gift of God. He'd built something that no one could deny. Covered earnestly the best gifts. So when I travel the world, I look for men who've got real gifts, and I invite them. But we have some of the best ministry in the world. That's why T.L. Osborne's back with us in August. Hey, come on. Where's he going to in England? Why he's coming here? Uh, and I believe in coveting the best gifts. Is that so we can become them? Not at all. It's so that we can receive what God has to give. When the Roman church sent for Paul, you'll find in Romans 1, he said, I want to impart some gift to you. <laughs> He's coming to impart a gift. It didn't mean he was going to lay hands on everyone and, uh, and start imparting gifts and prophesying over them. You don't have to, watch out. When people start prophesying, watch out. I, I mean, I believe in the gift of prophecy that's genuine. Uh, it says, if someone gets up to prophesy, let the prophets that are sitting by judge. I always sit down, I judge a prophecy. Why? Because, yeah, I do have a prophetic gift. If I want to get up and prophesy, I can prophesy. But I'm not, well, I'm very loath to do it. The reason I'm loath to do it is I want to make sure there's at least two prophets who've got a genuine gift of God before I'm going to get up and prophesy. I believe in the real gifts. Dear old Benson Edo, when he was with us, 
I remember, I've, I've said it so many times, uh, a fortnight before the Iraqi, uh, you know, the war with America and England was finishing, uh, he stood, stood up and he said to Ruth, oh, you know, it'll, they'll declare peace, Bush will call a halt. Uh, and he gave me the time and the day. I don't know, it was a fortnight hence. And I thought, hmm, I want to tell you what happened. On that very hour, they called a halt. Now, how did he, well, he was a prophet of God. I remember standing in Hampton Court um, amongst all the Christian media people, and dear old Benson was there, and he said, oh, turn to the east. We turned to the east, because he told us which way to turn. And he said, stretch out your hand. Stretch out my hand. Why? Because he told me to. And he said, um, I tell you, within six months of Berlin Wall's coming down, God told me, and he listed things that were going to happen, and I, and I want to tell you, there was no sign of it, and I thought, my dear brother, it was four months later, down came the wall. Uh, he heard from God. But when you know a prophet's a true prophet of God, he doesn't come to tell you, hey, don't drink tea anymore. Grow up, that's not prophecy. And then you get the, the silly things, you know. There's someone in here with a hurting elbow. Well, amongst this bunch there should be, shouldn't there? Someone in here with ingrowing toner. Um, there's, uh, God show me there's someone here who suffers from migraine. I mean, you can do that, can't you? Hmm? It's called the law of averages. Don't call it a word of knowledge. You know, there are things that are I prefer the genuine thing, don't you? That's what I loved about our dear brother Benson, who's gone home to be with the Lord. He would never, he would never mess around. Never pretend. But we're not to be children. Grow up. We live by faith. Amen? Thank God for the gift of healing. I walk into a church sometimes, I see someone here who's come, stranger, and I know that by the end of the meeting they'll be completely healed. The moment I set eyes on them, I know a miracle will happen that day. And sure enough, it does. I don't go up and tell them that. But I know it'll happen. How do I know? Frankly, I don't know how I know. If I knew how I knew, I'd be God. I don't know how I know. I just know. I know a lot of things. I used to go to church and I'd get people to stand up and I'd read their lives off and tell them what they did when they were children, what they did, you know, when they were teenagers, what they were doing. And then I could tell them what they'd been doing last Thursday night, last Wednesday. I could read off their life. But I found, after a time, it petrified people. They would all keep their head between their knees when I started doing that. And they'd all duck down. People don't like that, you know? Anyway, God hasn't come to expose us, has he? Huh? I found I, I can see. I can look on a, a congregation. I can see who's bound, who isn't. I can see who walks in light, who doesn't, who can't. That's the gift of God. 
I can see who's up to what. But, so what? I could go around and say, well, let's use the gift of knowledge. Why? Doesn't help people. I found out that you can say something to someone and you can nail them. Dead easy. But in the end, if they don't want to change, they're not going to. So what have you done? Nothing. Except you've tooted your own horn. And you've fulfilled the prophecy. Blessed is he who tooteth his own horn, for verily if he tooteth it not, it will not get tooted. I mean, <laughs> that's not what church is about. Hey, and, and if one suffers, all suffer. Hmm? We're members one of another, aren't we? We're here to help one another, lift one another up, encourage one another. We're not here to find fault. We're not here to knock down. We're here to lift up Jesus Christ. And everyone's on the road somewhere. Some people have fallen down a pothole. Well, you lift them up. Some people have got themselves in a mess and fallen in the ditch. Well, you lift them out. But if you're blind, then you'll all end up in a ditch. So you need someone who can see. That's all. But sight is a precious thing. But you don't live by sight alone. If you live by sight alone, you're in trouble. You have other senses as well. Are you understanding me? Or you're mystified. All right? That's, that's all. You can't be. You can't be a minister of God if you aren't a seer. If you can't see, you're in trouble. If you haven't got a prophetic vision, you're in trouble. If you want protection, hey, you better have someone who can see. That's all. That's, that's what a gift is. But you don't use a gift indiscriminately. You need to know when. And that you learn. It takes time. All right? God sets in the church first apostles. What is an apostle? Well, he's a man who's really gifted of God. I met apostles I would call T.L. Osborne an apostle. Benson Ederhoser was an apostle. Dima Shikaram was an apostle. I mean, real apostles. Oral Roberts, apostolic. You say, well, he had a gift of healing. No, apostolic. Um, but there are a few really gifted men. I thank God they're there. There are other people who would like to be apostolic, but aren't. What is the sign of an apostle? Well, the miracles, special miracles, healings, power, ministry. They'll build. Uh, somehow they stand out. And that, that's apostolic. And then you've got the other gifts. Teachers. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. People think there's some great power. I can speak in tongues. Oh, thank God for the gift. But I'd rather speak five words of wisdom in the church that your understanding would be fruitful than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. 
Thank you very much. Grow up and do what the Bible says. Do all interpret. Well, do you? But you see, these are men set in the church. These are men specifically set in the church. They're not set... Now, I know some will argue, oh, it's the church universal. It's amazing that Paul actually wrote to the church at Corinth. <laughs> not the church universal. Did you notice that? When he wrote to the Corinthian church, he didn't say, now this is to be printed in a, a book called the Bible. Um, there's going to be... James I is going to actually make sure there's an authorized version that everyone who's really going to go on with God will use. Um, which is quite correct. But he didn't say that. This was just a letter, an epistle to that church. Now we have it. We know what it is. It's, it's correcting excesses. But it was to one church. One place. Paul wrote to them and he said, Hey, now what we're doing is building because we've joined our hands with God to build what God intends, which is his church. And we realize that what God's about in the earth is building his church. You'll get a different reflection of the church down the road. There's a different minister. I'm happy. Um, you know, you've got to, you, everyone's door opens both ways. You're free to come, free to go. That's how a church should be. People find what they really need. Great. If they don't like it, well, don't be a sore person. Go somewhere else. There are plenty of places where you'll be happy. It's easy, isn't it? God didn't think that one, one ministry would suit everyone. But if you're part of the body, if you're truly called of God, if you're part of that and you contribute to that which makes the whole, great. Praise God. People have a choice. But if you're called and you're knitted together, look, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he made it plain. He said, look, um, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or one member be honoured, all members rejoice with it. Now there are people you can rejoice with. There are people who don't belong. Church is total commitment. If you're part of the body of Christ, you're totally committed to what God is doing. God's building his church. He doesn't want schism in the body. He doesn't want uh, division. He wants everyone with one purpose. That's why I like the new song they've been singing. The words suit me and now I can't see it. Where are they gone? Oh, here they are. We are united in Jesus Christ. We're soldiers of the light. We don't wrestle flesh and blood, but principalities of the dark. We are marching to one beat. All his enemies are under his feet. We are mighty in our stand with God's word in our hand. The strongholds of the devil are in the minds of men, changing truth into a lie and drowning them in sin. 
And we are fighting for the hearts and minds of men today. By faith we stand in gospel truth and valiantly say, we are united in Jesus Christ. We're soldiers of the light. The weapons of our warfare are not natural, you see, but they are truth and faith and righteousness and the gospel of his peace, casting down imagination and the devil's lies, for truth has set the prisoner free and opened blinded eyes. I, I'm a believer in that. Amen? Aren't you? We're marching to one beat. You know, it says, if the trumpet make an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for war? One of the things that's happened all over the world is the trumpet makes uncertain sounds. You're not sure whether to go this way or that way. Do you go forward or back? And the general, he stands there and shouts, follow me, men, I'm right behind you. Bad Jesus is wonderful. Amen. We're to show forth the life of Christ. We're to be like Jesus. You know one thing I love about this dear man, uh, Bill Williams, he's got a good ministry. And um, Wilson, I said Williams, did I? Wilson, you know one nice thing about him? When he stood up, he was preaching to the ORU students. I was there and I listened to him and you could have heard a pin drop except no one dropped one. And at the end, they just sang a song, to be like Jesus. That's what we're really about. The Church of Jesus Christ is to lift him up. We're here to worship him. We're here to praise him. We're here to extol him. We're here to tell people, hey, you can be like Jesus. You can have his life in you. You can be on earth his representative. One of the songs Colin sings is, you're the only Jesus some will ever see. I hope they see a true reflection of him. Not a joke or a sham, but a true reflection. We're part of the body of Christ members one of another. You're set in the church with a job. Find out what your job is. Do it. You know, God will never give you something great to do unless you learn to do the mundane. But you're set. You're the only Jesus. I wonder when they see you and meet you, whether they'll meet him. I wonder if that power of the Holy Ghost and reality of life is so in you. They'll meet a healing God, a delivering God, God of love and grace, a God who understands and sees, a God who knows. What is it? that causes a man to go away from him. 
What is it that draws a man to him? But the Spirit of God. There's something beautiful about him. And yet the Bible says there's no beauty that we should desire him. But there's the beauty of holiness. There's the serenity of the Godhead. There's the power hidden in a human vessel. There's the glory contained in a human being. And it's so wonderful when your eyes are open to see. When you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there's something about him is so different. When you meet him, you're never the same. When you look up into those wonderful eyes that burn like flames of fire, everything changes. Your life changes. When you know his very nature and you feel his very heartbeat, you can never be the same again. And if church doesn't bring people to that, it's no church at all. If Jesus is not central. I remember one day a man coming, a pastor coming to visit us, and he said, you know the trouble with your church, you're too Jesus-centered. I said, thank you. I said, I do appreciate that. And he said, oh, you seem to, you know, what about the Holy Spirit? I said, the Holy Spirit came to lift him up, to extol him, to magnify him. That's why the Holy Spirit came, to reveal his life. And we need to see that life. This morning, where are you in your ambitions? Where are you in your life? What is it that drives you? Are you an embodiment of that wonderful man of Galilee, man of Calvary? Are you the one who has life and bread to give? to the hungry? Have you drink for the thirsty? Are you one who has a river of life? Do you have the joy of God? Do you have the confidence of faith? Do you have the reality of power? Do you have the virtue of love? Do you have the clarity of vision to see? And ears to hear what God would speak. Do you have the sense of the divine? Do you have Jesus living within? He's wonderful. He's the most wonderful one of all. And that's what we're about. I'd see Jesus. I love him.
he's so, so wonderful. They're none like him. When the games are over and the pretense is gone, when I see him, I'll be like him. For I shall know him as he is. That's really what we're about. Let's just have Jesus. Let's just have him. Let's have the reality of his life. He heals the sick. He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the prisoner free. leads the prisoner out of the prison house into freedom. He's good. He's here. He really is. He's building his church. And you're a part of it. If so be, you're birthed into life. If you're not, I would suggest you're way off being. Poor you. It doesn't have to remain that way. You can change. Choice is always yours. You'll never be able to say in that day, he rejected me. It's you that reject him. You're the only Jesus some will ever see. When they meet you, do they meet him? That's my question to you this morning. You can change everything around. You can change your life. You can change your heart. You can bury your ambitions and your pride. And you can become what he wants. You see, when he's Lord, everything's in place. When you're Lord, it's chaos and strife. Where are you? If he were to come today, he isn't, but if he were, Would he say you're like me? When I see him, I'm going to be like him. I believe it. Where are you? Where are you? Let's pray. Father, I just pray for each one here 
Lord, you know every heart. You try the reins of the heart. You know the needs that are in the soul. You see what's going on. Your eyes run through the whole earth. You perceive everything. And Lord, we've come with open face to thee this morning. Master, we want to be like you. In every part of our being, we want your glory and life to shine forth. We want to live like you. We want all our lives to glorify you. Lord, there's nothing else to live for. Lord Jesus, Lord, there's no one like you. There's no one like you. I just pray for each one here. Lord, this morning, challenge every heart. Let worldly ambition fall. And Christ's life begin to shine. Lord, reach inside each one. Let the only ambition be, I want to be like you. I want to show forth your life. I want to honor you. I want to serve you. I want to glorify you. I want to fulfill my part in your body. I want to be what you want me to be. Almighty King of Grace, let it be the cry of every heart this morning. Let it be the moving of every heart. Jesus. I want to be like